two weeks. Can't get away from them unless you're watching the Cartoon Channel. It seems like an endless stream of babble on nearly all of the networks, maybe with the exception of the Cartoon Channel. Each of the major political candidates have had their day in the adoration of their parties. One candidate presents us with a picture of our country which is past its greatest years and promises to make us great, secure, and prosperous once again. The other candidate paints a picture of America being better than it was eight years ago and with a shining promise for the future. Who to believe? The choice will be yours in November. But until then, we will be barraged with all sorts of ads on the TV. Some positive, most of them negative. It's convenient to be as nasty as possible when no one knows who you are. All it takes is money. Right now, one of the major issues is income and wealth inequality. I'm not an economist. I'm not a social scientist. So I'll not get into these complicated aspects. This Sunday's scriptures do offer us an opportunity to reflect on this issue from a Christian perspective, however. Jesus has taught us two commandments. Anybody remember what the first one is? God first. Right? And the second one? Y'all are good. Y'all have been going to church recently. So, these are what the Hebrew law, the Torah, are boiled down to, as Jesus tells us. And in today's gospel reading from Luke, we hear another word. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Sounds just the opposite of what our culture tells us. Jesus tells two brothers who are in dispute over the family inheritance. In Jesus' day, usually the eldest son um, inherited everything. On into the Middle Ages, you have uh, the estate undivided. The first son gets everything. So Jesus reminds them that life is not about owning or possessing things abundantly. If we are to love God wholeheartedly and not worship possessions as idols, God must come first. To emphasize this point, Jesus tells these two brothers who are arguing a parable of a rich man. This rich man has blessings in abundance. 
The harvests have been good to him. The produce is so abundant he does not have enough space to store all of it. With this abundance, what does the rich man do? The scripture tells us his only concerns are I and mine. His whole thought process is only about himself, and he's at the center of it. It shows he loves only himself. That may sound like some of the politicians you've heard. So we have a few issues here. Greed is one. Being rich is another. And the third is being a fool. In the epistle to the Corinthians, the author admonishes us that we should put to death whatever is in you that is earthly, especially greed, which is idolatry. Greed is defined as a selfish and excessive desire for more of something as money than is needed. That's what you'll find if you look it up in the dictionary. Is desiring more of something than is necessary necessarily bad? What happens if you eat too much ice cream? You know what happens. Don't we all want to have abundance? Don't we all want to have enough that's left over as a cushion for ourselves when we are in times of need? Isn't that why we contribute to pension funds or a 401k for our retirement? I don't think it's when one prepares for rainy days or stores up one's abundance that causes Jesus to call us fools or condemn wealth for that matter. It's the selfish and excessive desire for oneself that becomes greed that is the issue here. It's the way we treat our abundance and the way that we treat our wealth that matters to God. Jesus further says, so it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. These people end up with spiritual death. So, who are those who are not rich towards God? Oftentimes, we mention rich and we think of money. That kind of wealth. In the Bible, there are at least 50 times that money, wealth, possessions, or finances raises its head. They're mostly based on the basic commandment to love God and love your neighbor. When we love God, we're rich toward God. When we love our neighbor, we're also rich toward God. It's because we show gratitude to God for the blessings he bestows on us. 
And this rich man forgets about God. He's the only one he's thinking about. And yet it's God who has blessed him and given him all that he has. God gives him the talents to grow the crop. And he receives the produce abundantly. Whatever God gives will eventually be returned to God. Isn't that what the teacher tells us in Ecclesiastes? When he says, I hated all my toil in which I had toiled under the sun. Seeing that I must leave it to those who come after me. You can't take it with you. You've all heard that. He can't take all those possessions with him. Neither can we. Isn't this rich man a fool by hoarding all that produce and he thinks he can enjoy it into eternity? He doesn't know that his last day on earth is today. Neither do we. I could be roadkill on the side of the road on the way back home. You could be struck down by a drunk driver. This man that we're talking about in this parable is rich in produce. And he could be rich toward God by showing God his gratitude. He can show God his gratitude by sharing his abundance with his neighbors who may not have such a blessing, but are struggling in their lives. He forgets he should love God with his whole heart, his whole mind, his whole spirit, his whole strength. He forgets that he should love his neighbor as his self. Isn't this one of the issues of inequality of income and wealth in our contemporary world. The rich hoard their abundance without showing their gratitude to their creators. Not only do they love their neighbors, not love their neighbors by not helping them out, but they oppress them so as to hoard more wealth. Who doesn't want to be rich? Have you ever watched that old show, Who Doesn't Want to Be a Millionaire? Who doesn't want to be in the top 1%? Isn't that why we go to Ivy League schools or study hard and work hard to be successful? However, when we get rich, will, be, will we be a rich fool? Or will we be rich toward God? Here's a list that's been around for quite a while that kind of captures the gist of it. Things that God won't ask you on that last day, that day of reckoning. God won't ask you what kind of car you drove. No. God won't ask you how many people, God will ask you how many people you gave a lift when you did, who didn't have any transportation at all. God won't ask you how many square footage you have in your house. 
but God will ask how many people you welcomed into your home. God won't ask about the clothes you have. God will ask you how many you helped to clothe. God won't ask you what your highest salary was. But God will ask if you compromised your integrity to obtain it. God won't ask what job title you have. God will ask whether you performed your job with the best of your ability. God won't ask how many friends you have. He will ask how many people to whom you made sure you were a friend. God won't ask what neighborhood you lived in. God will ask how you treated and behaved toward your neighbors. You might think about these questions and about what you've heard from each of the presidential candidates and about those who contribute to their campaign funds and their ads on TV. Think about it. Make your decision. Amen. Now that I've thoroughly offended everybody, let us rehearse our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.